Hey everyone, welcome to After the Kids Go Down. We're your hosts. I'm Eileen Sonu. And I'm Bona Lou. Let's try to get into this. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this actually. I am too, but I'm a little nervous for some reason. I probably always start off nervous talking about things that I feel strongly about, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll start off by saying that so recently Stan tore his Achilles. It's been about, I mean, at the time of this recording, it's been about maybe two and a half weeks or so when he's had surgery already and has to be completely non-weight bearing on the on the right leg, mm-hmm. on the uh, Achilles that he tore. When I've been telling my friends who are mothers, very commonly the first reaction, if not every time, most times, the first reaction I get is, Oh, is he okay? But also, like, are you are you mad? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's always it's always a question of like, are you mad? Are you so mad? Are you pissed? Are you angry? You know, and um, you know, I would just like chuckle along with it and tell the story of how it happened, and you know, do you understand when your friends ask you that? I I do, you know, and I told, I mean, Stan knows all this, so this conversation too is nothing that. Um, Stan does not know. Uh-huh. But I mean, it does make me wonder why that is such a common reaction mm-hmm. and why I understand it too, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's totally what this book is about too. Now, I haven't read it, mm-hmm. but the pot of resentment that it like puts the fire under mm-hmm. is what... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what I'm feeling. Well, the book that we're talking about and also just like the idea and the thoughts that we have around it... Um, We're going to be talking about this book called Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. And the little, um, what do you call this? Like a subtitle? Subtitle, I guess, is A Game-Changing Solution for When You Have Too Much to Do and More Life to Live. I think we should start with what I know the synopsis is. This book is a... It's an explanation to a game that is a that's advertised as a time and anxiety-saving system. So I read the first part of it where it talks about um, like why she wanted to create this game mm-hmm. and like the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I stopped is actually like the like how to play the game. But there's also a documentary on Hulu about it, which I have not watched. Mm-hmm. And then um, Bona, yeah, you said you, you already said you didn't read it. Yeah, I haven't read it. I've mm-hmm. only actually heard about it for the first time from you. Mm-hmm. But then I remembered um, seeing some hashtags about fair play mm-hmm. or just that mention of this phrase. Mm-hmm. In relation to like tasks at home and relationships. And like, I think mommy blogs or like mommy Instagrammers. Well, actually, I saw it by Instagrammers who were men who called themselves allies to women or feminists. I don't know. But yeah, that's where I first saw it. And I didn't know what they meant by fair play. I thought they just came up with this catchy little Mm -hmm. hashtag or phrase. But then when you told me about this book, it, you know, made sense that it was the book that they're talking about. Yeah. And that this is like a fair play movement. Yeah. I actually probably found it the same way that you did just from like other like hashtags and then like Reese Witherspoon endorses it. Um, So on the cover, you see Reese's book club, like the stamp of approval. And, And then I listened to another popular mom podcast called The Mom Room with Renee Reyna. Oh, yeah. I yeah. That too. And, but I heard it on her podcast, but it was actually, I guess, I don't know what this is about, but it was from another guy. It was a, a guy who is a, I guess, a famous dad Instagrammer or like yeah. influencer. Um, his name is Michael Vaughn and his uh, handle is at World Shaker. 
But he was talking about it. So I don't know why it's like men. I mean, maybe it's, it's both uh, men and women. I mean, I don't find it surprising if it's the case mm-hmm. that this became a bigger movement and people found that it held more water and was more credible after oh. men started to champion it. Oh, shoot. You know, shoot. mansplaining our own freaking rights. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, shoot. <laughs> but I mean, who knows? Man. You know, maybe you and I just happened to come across the men who were explaining it. I don't even know now. We I don't even know. It. It's like know. the chicken or the egg. Either okay. way, well, the either author way. is a woman. Right. Yeah. I do feel the need to offer this caveat before explaining the synopsis of the book. So I came across it and I kind of figured out what like this author was talking about. It was touted as a must read. And based on what I heard, I I thought there must be a catch because it doesn't sound that intriguing to me. Like I didn't agree with what I heard about it, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to know if there was something I was missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyways, the... The brief synopsis is Fair Play was written and created by Eve Rodsky. The book is an explanation to a game that is advertised at the time in an anxiety-saving system that will help couples divvy up domestic responsibilities to rebalance their home life, ignite the relationship with their significant other, and reclaim their unicorn space, which is this term that she made up that means uh, magical and kind of hard to come by time to develop the skills and passions that keep you interested and interesting. Um, Like interested in your partner or interested in your relationship? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, interested um, in your partner. Like keep you invested in your relationship. mm -hmm, Right. Kind of like having your own thing. So that passion kind of just like spills over naturally into Mm -hmm. like you just being passionate about life in general. The way that Eve Rodsky talks about this in her book and in most interviews that you'll find, she always starts off by mentioning this blueberry incident. You want to sum it up? She was on her way to pick up one of her sons and at stoplights, she was texting with contractors. Mm -hmm. Just like doing work. And then I don't know if she had already made a grocery run or if she had made one that same day, but she said she received a text message from her husband saying, I can't believe you forgot the blueberries and that she pulled over and and broke down mm-hmm. into tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically it sounded like she was just trying to have it all together. Like she was doing everything mm-hmm. in any possible moment of the day that she has. She was trying to work, take care of her kid, mm-hmm. run the household, right? Mm-hmm. And then she started sobbing at the stoplight when, mm-hmm. you know, realizing that she didn't have all it all together. Mm-hmm. That pl- probably plus like feeling like I don't have it all together. Why can't I have it all together? All together, and also like, why are people expecting that of me? I'm mm-hmm. sure it was like all that. Mm-hmm. Who knows? So that's the point of her her breakdown, mm-hmm. and then where this book takes off mm-hmm. the idea of it. And there was another story she she tells too in in the book where she is at like this get together, is hanging out with a bunch of other friends who are moms, and they were supposed to like make a day of it or something like that. And then slowly towards, I want to say like maybe lunchtime or something like that, like her and all her friends. They wanted to like keep the momentum going, do other things to have fun. Mm -hmm. And slowly one by one, they started getting these ding, ding, ding on their phones. And it was their partners Mm -hmm. asking questions about like, what should we do for lunch? Or Mm. um, what time are we getting home? Or where's the sock? Or or, like, you know, where's the sports bag? Or something Mm -hmm. like like that. And she said, I don't know, I'm assuming this is not an exaggeration, but she said that every single one of them, there was like a a good number of them there. They all got a text similar to that. Mm where slowly the mom started dropping out like flies. Mm -hmm. They're just like, oh, I guess it's time to go home Mm -hmm. or like, you know, I I probably should go back right now, you Mm -hmm. know? And so that plus like the blueberry incident, I think she started to, she started to feel this imbalance 
So she decided to survey and solicit a bunch of her friends who were mothers and wives to... Contr- she did like 500 interviews or something. Interviews, but also I think it started off as a, just like a Google Doc. Okay. She sent it out to like a bunch of her friends saying like, I want you guys to break down um, and contribute to this ever growing list of what she called shit I do. Mm-hmm. It was circulated through social networks and then like, you know, those friends of friends would like uh-huh. send it to other people. It's a very angry title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The shit I do list was created to make the invisible load visible. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. We all talk about like invisible load, emotional labor, Mental um, load, second shift. Uh, is it a motherhood? I guess. I've never just heard like second women? shift actually. Oh. What's the sh- what's the second shift? Second shift, I guess, is probably mainly for like working moms. So like working moms who oh, are on their first yeah. shift and then they do second I shift. See. Yeah. I and wonder if all the people she interviewed were working moms. That's another thing that I have with this book is I, I feel like predominantly it it's is. For working yeah. moms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she has like little blurbs here and there for stay-at-home moms. But, you know, maybe this goes into our last episode still too. But every blurb that she has about stay-at-home mom, I feel so patronized. <laughs> by it. So I mean, like, Eve Rotsky, you're so patronizing still. Does she kind of add like, Oh, even for my stay-at-home yeah, mom friends. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh, yeah. That's how she adds it. Yeah. And then she talks about like one or two stay-at-home moms. Mm-hmm. You know when people say like, girl, you're like worth it or something like that, you yeah. know? It was something like that. I, I should probably find the exact quote, but it was something along those lines where it's something like that. I'm like, that's so patronizing for <laughs> some reason. I don't know You know, she had the breakdown. She created the list of should I do. And then that's where the book and the game comes in. Explain the game. Okay. So the game, how the game is actually played. And this is the part that I haven't read, but I read like, I guess, generally, right? You are given 100 task cards that break down the domestic ecosystem into five suits. And there's the home, out, caregiving, magic, and wild. And then each player, each partner. What do those suits mean? So she took the that like giant list of shit I do mm-hmm. and she compiled it into categories categories mm-hmm. and kind of like most common kind of things, you know, so she starts. So it starts off with this 100 task cards. You don't have to use every single one of the task mm-hmm. cards. And, and I guess you could also probably create some of your own, too, I'm, I'm assuming, you mm-hmm. know, um, but like the home suit, for example, the cards that relate to home are things like cleaning. Mm. Dishes, dry cleaning, garbage groceries, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Meals. So that would include kids, okay. you know, uh, meals for kids or tidying out stuff is like um, auto related thing, birthday celebrations, calendar keeper, travel um, returns and store credits. Caregiving is like, caregiving is obviously a lot to do with kids or probably animals too. Medical and health, parents, in-laws, estate planning. Um, magic is adult friendships. I'm thinking like when you want to plan like a get together, like mm-hmm. who's always in charge, of, like who kind of initiates that, you know, mm-hmm. holidays, holiday cards, those freaking Christmas cards that everybody <laughs> does. Who does that? I don't know. Um, nobody should do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just give those up. Let's just throw those in the trash altogether. <laughs> um, wild card is just uh, like random things that would happen or like things that you don't predict. Moving, new job, illness, death. Okay. And then each partner also gets a unicorn space card. So the first part of the book did explain four rules of the game. And I did touch on this a little bit too in our last episode. So people need to listen to the last episode too. Um, I'm just making a self plug. (laughs) I'm advertising for ourselves. (laughs) Listen to after the kids go down. 
the four rules of the game it's just things that you need to keep in mind mm-hmm. while you're playing this game and like um, dishing these cards back and forth mm-hmm. is first rule is all time is created equal meaning that there is no hierarchy like no one's time is means more than the other so we try to keep that in mind because because we typically don't Mm-hmm. Right, that's what we talked about in our last one. Oh, is that where you got the mm-hmm. idea? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All time is created equal. Second one as, is as in like a working person's time is not more valuable than a stay-at-home parent's time. Right. Okay. Right. But even in that though, um, or like a man versus a woman's time, or whoever makes the most money. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. But it's commonly just like man versus woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. Second rule of the game is reclaim your right to be interesting. And that's kind of where she talks about unicorn space. Mm-hmm. So this game is about reclaiming your right to be interesting and kind of like own that. You know, don't be afraid to think that that time for yourself, that me time is like a waste of time. Just like own it as like, I need to do this for me. Mm, you know? Okay. So a third rule of the game is start where you are now. Like things don't have to be perfect. And I don't know, like feel out your partner and like, just get them, get the partner to want to play this game. So just start mm-hmm. wherever you are now. Mm-hmm. The fourth rule of the game, the last rule is establish your values and standards. Um, and she has this thing called minimum standard of care or something mm-hmm, like that, mm-hmm. um, which I actually didn't. Did you read? I, this is the part I read I about read. that in the article. That actually left a big impression on me too. Okay, you want to explain what minimum standard of care is? Yeah. So from what I understand, that is where you and your partner get on the same page in terms of how well you want a said task to be done. Like what that looks like to you. Kind of like the criteria, I guess, for the task that you said you were going to own. Also explaining why it's important that it be done that way so Mm -hmm. that it gives your partner context to like where you're coming from and also helps your partner understand your point of view. I thought of this in terms of dishwashing in our home because Andrew is the dishwasher in our family. Like that is his domain because cooking and meals and everything food is my domain. And so early on, he told me he's going to do all the dishes. Mm -hmm. He actually very faithfully does. However, the quality of his work (laughs) is called into question (laughs) from time to time. (laughs) I... (laughs) <laughs> so we like a lot of Asian people that I know use our dishwasher as a drying <laughs> rack and we occasionally use it as a washing machine because I want to clean out the inside of the machine <laughs> <laughs> That's very, yeah. even you calling it a washing machine <laughs> shows that oh, the dishwasher dishwasher <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I never heard the word dishwasher until I was like in my 30s. The washing washing. machine. It's so funny. Um, But yeah, like I'll pull out things that are still greasy, Mm -hmm. like have like an oily film on them Mm -hmm. or there's like some dried bits of food on it. And and so I'll, uh, I'll jokingly call him over and tell him like it's time for a, what's that called? I always use the term and I like can't remember it right now. This is after the kids yeah. go down brain fog. Um, it's quality something. The quality control. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, that's not it. That's not it. <sighs> anyway, something I have to do with quality. <laughs> Somebody's screaming. If they're listening to this, they're just, like screaming it at us. I feel like that's what's happening. And I just make a joke out of it and tell him like, okay, well now it's time for his quarterly evaluation. <laughs> and like, you know, so and so. But I thought that we would find that useful if we just talked about, okay, like since you're going to own dishes, let's talk about and agree on a minimum standard of care. Oh yeah. Like 
what is a dish well washed to me? <laughs> it means that it has no food on it mm-hmm. and I cannot feel grease on it with my mm-hmm. fingers. Like when I feel the the glass, yeah. I want like that kinker, kinker, the squeaky sound. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah okay so those are the four rules of the game and then i guess what you do with the cards so you have these the stack of 100 cards and you kind of dish them out based on um what you already are already doing right Mm -hmm. and then you can consider together things that you don't find important that you can just like take off the plate as a whole but the cards that you have left like in your hand I mean, it does offer this like the visible, the invisible becomes visible. Mm -hmm. So you can see like people's stacks, right? I mean, she does talk about like how you do generally like try to be gracious. You know, you're just like, look at my stack. Look at my stack. It's so much bigger than yours. You know, Um, I don't know. Do what you can, I guess. Mm -hmm. But you kind of just like reshuffle them based on like importance, like what you want to prioritize as a family, um, what you can do that week because you can keep playing the game. The idea is that you can keep playing it based off seasons of life too. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh wait, you mean reshuffle? As in, like she talks about doing a weekly check in, mm-hmm. and that you can reshuffle it like weekly mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever like time period y'all decide on to yeah. reassess. Right. Um. And it's then, not really a game, then, is it? It's just uh, it's like an organizational tool. It is because she talks about the CPE. Conception, planning, and execution. Right. Conceive, plan, execute. Yeah. Right. Um, so she calls it a game, but really it's like a way of organizing, I guess, mm-hmm. a system. Mm-hmm. But Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So it's an acronym CPE, which stands for the three steps of conception, planning, and execution. Oh, she, she uses the example of mustard. Mm-hmm. That was really good. So she talks about the first step would be noticing that my son always likes to eat mustard with his meat mm-hmm. um, and that we're running low on mustard. Planning would be, oh, I need to go to the grocery store and pick up some more mustard. Executing would be actually going to the grocery store mm-hmm. and picking up not just the mustard, but knowing the exact mustard that my son likes and needs and getting the correct one at the mm-hmm. store, mm-hmm. all of that. And she also mentions that the mental load and the cognitive effort is higher for the first two steps of conception and planning Oh, okay. as, as opposed to executing. As in executing is the easiest to do out of the three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's typically the what man, men end up right. doing. Yeah. Right. Man, this was so big for me. Mm-hmm. And I love coming across stuff like this in research. And I think that's why I like the idea of this book so much, even though I haven't read it. It's because gives, it systematizes all of these feelings and thoughts that weren't concrete to me before, but like I I was kind of making sense out of, and then she kind of makes it into a science, right? Mm-hmm. And she like puts terms to it and, and makes it into this almost algorithm. And I'm not one to religiously like take the algorithm and just be really hardcore about it and Mm -hmm. like make sure it's quantified perfectly in our marriage and it's perfectly balanced. Like I'm not that type. I take what I need from it and use it how I will, how it suits Mm -hmm. us as people. But um, I could really see this in our relationship. And I, so I wrote down like who I think is the one who conceives and plans and executes and then asked Andrew Uh what he thinks. And it was actually pretty cool. Like, Did you guys was, see it the same way? Mm-mm. It was, it was, we saw it differently, but we both saw it in a way that was flattering to the other, oh. which was nice. Wait, so what was it? 
So originally I thought I conceive. I'm the one who notices. I'm mm-hmm. the one who like, because I'm like always reading people's needs mm-hmm. and I'm looking for things that people need and mm-hmm. things that you like and I take notice of it. And so I'm the one that's conceiving of the of the needs. Mm-hmm. Planning, I think that me and Andrew actually do like 50-50. Mm-hmm. Andrew thought that we both, he, he agreed on step one that it was me. But in terms of planning, he thought that I was the majority of it. Okay. He thinks I'm like, what did he say? Like 70%? Okay. And him 30. And then execution, I also think him and I are about 50-50. What do you say? You? We're no, we're oh. like more we're more equal. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't completely off. I think it was off, even though it was just like he thought he 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 gave himself like 30% credit mm-hmm. and I gave him 50%. That difference meant a lot to me because I guess when he said 70, I felt seen. Like I felt like, oh. He mm-hmm. appreciates and sees that I put that much effort into mm-hmm. planning. For me, when I said 50 for him, I was coming from a place of when it comes to some of my executive functioning skills, they are underdeveloped mm-hmm. because of certain childhood traumas that I've had. Yeah. And so in that way, I feel like Andrew's really supportive of mm. my where my planning might lack. He he really like picks it up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like little things like where he will just remind me of what's on the calendar tomorrow. Oh, like I love him when he does that. Yeah. I have a hard time with time and space and I don't, I don't know what that is anyway. Mm -hmm. So because of that, Andrew's like in the beginning of our relationship, I think he would get a little bit flustered or frustrated with me sometimes. Kind of like, I already told you Mm. that I had this tomorrow, like, or I had this today, like in two hours, you know? And I'm like, I, I forgot or like mm-hmm. I, I didn't know you know what you told me yesterday was just belongs to yesterday like today's <laughs> today it's a different story <laughs> but um so when I told him yeah he um, is 50% I think he he felt seen mm. in a way like in all the ways that he's yeah. supportive of me yeah so it was like this um accidental beautiful moment that yeah, we had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that though is that uh, well f- like first of all with the CPE all the tasks that you have so whenever whatever you divvy up it is that you have to take full control of C, yes. P, and E, right? Yes. It's not just like parts full of it. Full ownership. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's part of like whatever task you have, you have to do the full scope of it, mm-hmm. right? And then, um, but another part of this game too is that, I mean, the way she talks about it though is that like most of the time too, it is the women who want, who are kind of fed up want to play this game, mm. um, but don't know how to like, quote unquote, rope their husbands into it. They feel like they have to like, almost like manipulate the situation where you like butter them up and then you say like, oh, okay, well, I have this game that I want to play, you know? Huh. Um, that sounded really sexual. <laughs> <laughs> I have this game that I want to play. Um, but almost I'm like... Conceiving. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you have to pick a time where it's um, very favorable, you know? So a low, what did she call it? Like a low emotion, high, high cognition, cognition mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. And you guys, I mean, you guys were just talking about this, mm-hmm. just like very, uh, like factually almost, right? Like, oh, we're, you know, getting ready to do this episode. So probably very low emotion, high cognition state. Me and Stan, like we, so we've been talking about this book and... Is but he interested in reading it? I don't doubt he would be. If I asked him to read it, I'm confident that he would read it. Mm. But because I'm, I'm still actually having a hard time. I have, I'm having a hard time finishing it because 
I don't agree with the premise. And I, mm. I even hesitate saying I don't agree with the premise. I actually don't even know. I don't even feel like the premise is there. Tell me both. Okay. What you think the premise should be okay. and what the premise is. Okay. What I think Rodsky says the premise of the book is, mm-hmm. is there is this imbalance with the things that men and women do. And it, it, she t- explicitly talks about men and women. Like this is a gendered thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure she acknowledges there are exceptions. There are exceptions to everything in the world. But does she acknowledge that, that, that she has to work off of a generalization? She does. I mean, book? one thing that she says uh, often is that the data shows that women are doing two thirds of what it takes to run yeah. a home and family, regardless yeah. of whether women work out of the home. Mm-hmm. So that's where she says she's very intentional about keeping it gendered because it's a gendered problem. Mm-hmm. Is that what premise is? I don't know. Yeah. It's like what the book is founded upon. The thing that must be true in order for this book to follow. Okay, that's a good way to explain it. That's my philosophy. That, that's really good, actually. Yeah. So the thing that must be true in order for this book to what did you say? Follow. Follow. Okay. So yeah. So her premise is that there's an imbalance mm-hmm. that causes so much stress and resentment and these like unclear, like poor communication, right? Mm-hmm. So she wants mm-hmm. to she wanted to create this um, game as a solution mm-hmm. to reduce the stress and yeah. the you know resentment and whatever. Yeah, that to me feels very superficial. You're saying this whole fair play game, this method, this methodology feels like a band aid. Yeah, feels okay. like a band aid. And to be fair, like she does. I mean, she talks about she has this one thing that she talks about that this game. It is a two player game right now. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a a game between you and your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, ideally, it should be a three-person game. So you, your partner, and the government. So to create a system that would help make it more conducive, I guess, to... It would be things like, again, last episode that we talked about. Yeah. um, Things like longer leaves for parents. Mm. um, Less of a, a emphasis on like, if someone cuts out early for work, you know, it, usually it's like the, if a man cuts out early for work, you know, it's mm-hmm. like really frowned upon or, you know, stuff like that. I see. I um, see. So making it more. I see. So yeah. you were also referencing this too mm-hmm, when you were talking mm-hmm. about this in the last episode. I yeah. see. So there are things, there are a lot of things in the book, this book that stuck out to me that mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, these are like really, you know. Good ideas. True things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, but I, I don't feel like she gets to the root of it. Before kids, she felt like her and her husband were great. They were like yeah. this dynamic duo. Mm-hmm. Um, they worked really well together, right? Yeah. And then a lot of this happened post-kids. Yeah. And I actually think there's something like right there. Mm. There's something right there that she's not getting That's to. Yeah. I think people can... We operate very well without kids probably, you know, because we can operate really selfishly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And... we can operate selfishly and um, almost like seeming like we're kind of like working together, you know, but I think you can fool yourself pretty hard that like you're doing well, but I think kids bring to light what is hidden, what Mm -hmm. you kind of hide away, right? Mm -hmm. And I think they can bring dysfunction front and center. And I think mm. they can, uh, like by ourselves, I think we can operate pretty self-sufficiently and be in a position of not needing much from the other person. Mm. But when kids come to the picture, you like you need a lot of support and you need your partner who is the other person to support you well. Uh-huh. And um, so she said, like since they had kids, like all this started coming together. And I was kind of mm. like, don't you like, I'm kind of like, don't you wonder about that though? Like, you know, don't you think, like nothing like, was could okay. It, could it just, it, like you don't, you don't think it's just about a t- task imbalance. Yeah. 
Right. I I feel like the premise is that there was something in their connection that um, she thought was there maybe. Mm. Um, Or I mean, maybe it was, but it's something about connection, something about trust. And she does touch on it a little bit. Like she does say it's not about it, that uh, a lot of this isn't about just like the blueberries or the mustard, but it's about trust, you know? Um, but she doesn't go into it enough. And this whole thing still feels like a Band-Aid solution. And part of me does wonder too, if if things could happen in reverse, mm-hmm. if you start with this Band-Aid solution mm-hmm. and things start to feel mm-hmm. better, you know, like I, I guess, yeah. I'm not saying it could never. I, I can see that working too for some people. Yeah. Right. Like you, you, you use the Band-Aid. Somewhere. Right. You mm-hmm. use the Band-Aid and then you start, you get to talking about trust mm-hmm. and connection um, and then, you know, you could be feel more seen and heard. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that it could happen. Mm-hmm. But but I also do strongly believe that we often choose not to have hard conversations. Mm-hmm. And we'll get by with Band-Aid solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, this totally relates to something that I mentioned to Andrew. Mm-hmm. I was telling him that if I talk about fair play in my marriage and how it plays out before any of all of this any of all of it. It's about knowing myself and knowing my partner. Mm -hmm. I think it's completely 1000% correlated that the marital counseling, the individual counseling, the mental, emotional therapy and work I've done on myself and that we've put into each other to understand like each other's pasts childhood like what invisible baggage we brought into our relationship mm-hmm. like understanding and knowing that that is what has made all the difference yes i need help planning oh right 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 and you said before he needs help with conception so like knowing those kinds of things mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. like i need help planning because of my childhood traumas he needs help because uh, i mean it's it's just his personality but also in the ways that he was a latchkey kid mm-hmm. and and he also went away to boarding school mm-hmm. in in his like early teens so he really he really like grew up very self-reliant oh yeah not having to yeah. rely on his mom his mom not relying on him for anything and so like he brought into our marriage this um you could call it self-reliance, but on the flip side of it, it was also this lack of awareness about others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, knowing that about him later on in our marriage made it so much easier for me to understand yep. where he was coming from. And so for us to be able to support each other where we needed without resentment and with understanding. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. Like I feel you like, need that before this book. Yes, that's what I feel like the premise should be. There it is, yeah. that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I 1000% agree with you. I struggle with perfectionism and trust issues. He knows that. Mm -hmm. I now know that. Mm -hmm. He struggles with awareness of others, as I mentioned. Um, And because of this knowing of an understanding of each other, we're able to give each other grace and the benefit of the doubt. Yes. And then that combined with communication of expectations, then I think you can get into like a balanced home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This book is called Fair Play, Mm -hmm. right? But I think when the focus is on fairness, it it can be very um, misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And I think that can lead to... Quid pro quo, tit for tat. Yeah. Because the way that I understand fairness, it's not about everybody getting the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's not about me 
and him doing the same number of tasks. Fairness to me is about each person getting what they need. Mm -hmm. So you do Mm -hmm. need to know that person and their specific needs. I think the tit for tat dynamic is a very human one. I mean, it's not one that's the best and definitely not ideal, but I think in terms of just uh, socially learned behavior or what's good for our survival, I think we can't help but think in this sort of transaction kind of way. Yeah, yeah, like bartering Mm -hmm. or give and take. Especially as Asian Americans, I think, you know, that like feeling of like not wanting to be indebted to anybody, like not wanting to feel any more guilt, any more shame. Yeah. You know, and I swear, like if somebody does something really nice for me, especially if it's like, you know, monetarily like generous, Mm -hmm. I when I finally give something back, I seriously feel this like wave of relief Mm -hmm. come over me. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I think that sort of altruistic giving where you're able to give in a way where you're keeping no record of it and it's just giving with nothing held back. You don't expect anything in return. Right. I think that's a very divine quality Mm -hmm. as opposed to the very human quality Mm -hmm. we're talking about. Like Jesus dying on a cross. Right. Right. Yeah. But as lofty and um, unreachable of an ideal as that sounds, I think like you said, it is something that we can still aspire to within our relationships. Mm -hmm. And I I think Mm -hmm. that's something that I feel... very strongly about because if I just let myself, like mm-hmm. I will fall into tit for tat with yeah, Stan, you know. Me too. But I, I feel like that has only ever left me feeling hurt. Like mm-hmm. it's never, ever, ever left me feeling like, oh, this is great. This is good. I recently read this thing by the holistic psychologist on IG. Love her. She mentions how people in relationships and marriages often feel lonely because they lack an emotional intimacy. Basically, like the goal still needs to be to get to know each other and get to know each other's internal worlds. Mm -hmm. So I want to read this post by the holistic psychologist on IG. It's about emotional intimacy. So she says, the foundation of any healthy and safe relationship is emotional intimacy. Practicing this can completely shift your relationship. Emotional intimacy is the act of regularly showing interest in each other's internal world. There are two parts to emotional intimacy. One is vulnerable sharing and two is intimacy acts. So vulnerable sharing helps us understand our partner on a deeper level, allowing them to feel seen, heard, and appreciated. So it looks like one, sharing parts of our past that make us who we are today. Two, opening up when we feel insecure or anxious. Three, having difficult conversations that make us uncomfortable. Four, asking for our needs to be met. So she gives questions to begin. What's your best and worst memory from childhood? What did you get from your parents that you needed? Or what did you feel like you missed? How do you like to be loved? When do you feel most confident and most insecure? What's the greatest lesson you've learned this year? And what's something impactful that happened to you that you've never shared with anyone? Mm -hmm. And then intimacy actions, the other side of it, show our partner that we consider them, listen to them, and they keep us connected even when life gets busy. So this one, it um, reminded me of like acts of service from like love languages, ordering takeout and putting it in the fridge with a note for your partner sending and I'm so grateful you're in my life text. I guess it's also words of affirmation, doing the dishes or helping around the house, offering to take something off their plate. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I'll get the oil changed or I'll fill the gas. 
planning an at-home movie date with popcorn, grabbing them a book on a new subject they're passionate about. By consistently showing up for ourselves and our partner, we create a safe space for mutual freedom and evolution. I think the thing that jumped out at me the most was I really, really feel connected to Andrew when he shows a curiosity and an inquisitiveness about my internal world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like one thing that we still need to work on in our marriage is I want him to ask me more questions. (laughs) I think anyone who knows me knows I'm a question asker. Mm -hmm. Like if you ever want somebody to help you dig things out, like come to me. Like (laughs) This is true. I'll vouch for this. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm the equivalent of like a human oil drill. Like mm-hmm. I will go down in there with you, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I crave to receive that too. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think when I'm asking questions, it's because I'm showing that interest in you because I want to care about you. Mm-hmm. And so equally, when I receive that, I feel cared for mm. and loved. So I really crave that from my loved ones. And uh, I know that's something that Andrew and I still, you know. Yeah. I honestly feel that Stan... Okay, you have to hear me out for this whole thing. Mm -hmm. I honestly feel that Stan far exceeds expectations as far as like what we generally see in society for husbands and fathers. One thing that helps me see that, I guess, is in the fact that he chooses to learn on his own. Like, learn on his own where I don't have to tell him things. Um, Like, he'll come up with conclusions or uh, even, like, apologize about things that I might have felt but didn't have the words to express. What I wanted to get to was that, like, I was saying that I feel like he um, has far... He far exceeds expectations. Mm. But I I also told him last night that I want to say it because I want to affirm him, but I also don't want to say it because it almost feels, like, too lavish when I'm saying it because there's a part of me that also thinks him far exceeding expectations. I'm like, that should just be fucking normal. Oh. <laughs> and this this is another reason why I I hate like I hate Mother's Day kind of thing. Uh, you know, it kind of goes in tandem where mm-hmm. like um everything seems so lavish, but I'm like it should just be fucking normal, mm-hmm. you know? And so and he understood that. It wasn't like and I think last night was one of those times where we had low emotion, high cognition kind of uh, thing, you know? Uh-huh. And it was a really connected moment, so we had really good conversation, but I think it's when I say it out loud, I realize the paradox of it. Like because of the fact that I am in the position of appreciating it, I just, I'm so aware that it's not a normal, normalized thing. Yeah. So you, when, you, when you say you feel like that should be normal, you mean that your goal ought to be to exceed expectations for the person you love. That and like, um, yeah, like just or the like hunger the, to be better and the to hunger grow. to get better to to seek um, connection that is like makes your partner feel seen and heard. Yeah. You know, just make it part of like normal society. Yeah, you no, know? this reminds me of um, the Chris Rock joke that he made in his stand up. It's like from a long time ago, where he's talking about some black dads who are like bragging, like you know, I pay for childcare. I, I'm not in, I'm not in jail for drugs or anything like that. You know, like I take care of my family and Chris Rock's like, that's what you're supposed to do. You (laughs) idiot. Like, what do you want? A cookie? You know? Yeah. That sounds like it. (laughs) I am curious to play the game, Mm -hmm. not because I want to be tit for tat, but I'm just curious what our current state is. 
like I want to know like right now I feel like what Andrew and I have works pretty well. So I want to know what that looks like in terms of like, hey, this system that, you know, she she mentions that this um, professional basketball player said, know what kind of system your family has and your role in it. He's like, I'm a point guard. I know that I'm a point guard. Mm-hmm. So if somebody put me as a center, I would suck at it. Mm-hmm. I want to play this game because the system that we currently have works for us. And I want to see what this system looks like in terms of the tasks, the mm. system that has been working well for us. I want to see what the tasks, like where each task is and mm-hmm. stuff. Kind of like drawing a map of mm-hmm. your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That kind of is the feeling that I'm getting. Like, I like our neighborhood. Now I want to see a map of it. Do you feel like, honestly, like, do you feel like you'll hold a majority of the cards or you're just like, no, you're just curious about it? I honestly don't think I will. I think Mm -hmm. earlier on in our marriage, when I was the most resentful, Mm -hmm. I would say I was the most resentful right after Anderson was born. Mm -hmm. And we had some explosive fights. But I think since then, it's really leveled out to where I wouldn't be surprised if it was 50-50. Because that's how much I rely on him. Mm -hmm. And he also relies on me and how much we've communicated the system that works for us right now. I mean, I can see that. I don't see, I don't think that there is like absolutely no merit to this game. But again, I think it's like what you said. I think it has to be in tandem with Mm -hmm. doing like that internal work, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and that knowing that your partner is also doing internal work and Mm -hmm. that you guys know each each other's internal world. I think it's because I'm not going to, I wouldn't go into this game with a mindset of proving to him or to myself. See, look at how much I do. Right. So when we discussed it this evening, he brought up something that I totally agree with. This idea of ownership, of owning the whole task of the C, P, and the E. So he was like, well, for something like grocery shopping, which is something that we both equally execute, When I go to grocery shop, of course, I have ownership of it because I do all of the meal planning and prepping for our family and cooking. So like I have a handle on this is what I noticed we have eaten this past week and this is what I think I want to make and these are the ingredients I'm going to get and here I am making it. But for him, when he goes to the grocery store, he doesn't know what's in our pantry Mm -hmm. and what's in the fridge and what I made for dinner and what I'm... He has no idea. Mm -hmm. In that case, he can't own that. So what that means for us then is that when he executes it and he ends up coming home with the romaine lettuce instead of the butter lettuce, Mm -hmm. I do have to give him some grace. You know what I'm saying? I can't be like, own your shit, you know, because that's not the system that our family has. That's not the system that works for us. Right. So so I feel like that is another matter of, um, I think when you let go of all the parts, C, P, and E, I think there has to be a lot of trust there, trusting that they just have like the best intentions mm-hmm. and like they, they did it to the best of their abilities. And they're not trying to sabotage this like buttered lettuce situation. Rodsky talks about all the reasons why women say they cannot let go of these things. Value of time is one of them that we we all fall into that trap of thinking mm-hmm. that like so, someone's time means more. Um, but then there'll be things like, I'm just better at multitasking. I'm just better at it than he is or like whatever reasons. Like I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Like he's working. We have all the reasons for it. But I think what it comes down to is just a lack of trust. I mean, it just goes back to, I think, being able to let go is being able to trust that person. But being able to trust that person, I feel like it just takes a lot of internal work. Yeah. That is something that I'm not good at, that I still work on. And um, I've got a long way to go. Even if it's a task that he's supposed to handle, not everything. Like 
I don't know. Other things, there are some things where I don't know if it's my perfectionistic tendencies or my obsessive tendencies or just my arrogant tendencies. I don't know. But either way, yeah, I have to, I catch myself a lot. Yeah. I have to check myself a lot, a lot. I mean, I know, I know what you mean. I think that's the importance of like being able to decipher where those tendencies are coming from, you know? Another thing that we talked about last night, I told him that like something that is still really hard for me to do is, for instance, neither of us have really gone on like these separate trips by ourselves. We've done like handfuls, you know, with like friends. But when he when he wants to go on one, I really want my attitude to be like, oh, like, yeah, of course, like, that'd be great. Like, I'm, you know, I'm so glad that you and the guys would be able to have fun with this, you know, and like, you deserve it. And there is a part of me that really does think that, but the bigger part of me is still just kind of like, okay, like, I guess so, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I asked him, I was like, do you feel that way if I say it? Because I never had that feeling from him before. When I say like, I'm, you know, like my sisters or like my girlfriends like want to go on this trip. He's like, okay, like we'll try to make it happen. You know, most of it is dependent on his schedule. That's mm-hmm. just the workaround that we have to do. But I never get the vibe that he's like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Um, like begrudgingly. Right. Yeah, and I was kind yes. of thinking like, I think part of this goes back to maybe how I feel like from the last episode too. I don't know. Maybe you can help me think this through. But I... Got my mitt ready. <laughs> to catch, catch it, ball. catch it. <laughs> um, I think just generally, like all of us, me and him, like men and women, mm-hmm. like we still operate in a default kind of way where majority, if not all the time, men are valued more, men's mm-hmm. time, you know, what they think, what, you know, what they do, even their their emotions. I think oftentimes we'll we'll have more sympathy towards their emotions than our own. This is what I mean when I say I feel like it kind of relates back to the la- the last episode mm-hmm. because I still don't think like women and mothers are valued mm. highly in society the way that it's just a normal thing, you mm-hmm. know? I think we try really hard and I think like a lot of change has been made, sure, you know, but I think it's not the default. It's not this it's not a normalized thing. I trust him that he's doing the best of yes. his ability, right? Agreed. And that he is thinking, you know, ahead as much as he can with like stuff mm-hmm. like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the but best within our systems. Right, yeah. right, exactly. But because we, you know, I'm saying that like men default to this, you mm-hmm. know, but I default to it too. Like mm-hmm. I, I just think like the things that um, Rodsky said about like how I'll just say like, oh, I'm just better at multitasking. Like I'm just better at cooking. I just mm. have more time. I don't have more time. I don't have more time than he does. Mm. We have the same amount of time, <laughs> you know? Like time is just... Time. Um, so I ran out of breath saying that so <laughs> emphatically. Um, this obviously is a very important point to me. The thing about time created equal. I've said it like multiple yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because I know that I will yeah. succumb to that too, mm-hmm. you know, where, where, where I'll just like the guilt will just take over me. Yeah. You know, I will let the guilt take yeah. over me to the point where I feel bad and I won't go to something. Yes. You know, and, and, but I'll play it off as I just wasn't in the mood to go to it anyways. Yeah. Which is, might be true. Or There's I don't of, need to go. Right. I say that a lot. Yeah. Myself. There's a lot of, there might be things true in there where like, you know, you are a homebody, we're homebodies, whatever. But I think another thing true in there also is that it's I like think the just self-defeating the yeah, thing. Mm-hmm. Is the guilt just kind of takes over, you know, the inconvenience that I feel like. I think there's just like a lot of subtle undertones that I will perpetuate. Yeah, I will it's perpetuate like gender roles. that. Yeah. And so, and mm-hmm. he doesn't, he or like other 
men, if they're aware enough, they might pick up on it, you know, but if we just all succumb to this default, Mm -hmm. you know, then Mm -hmm. you're not going to pick up on it. So relating that back to the trips scenario is I feel like I still have all that running in the back of my mind, Mm -hmm. this guilt about Mm -hmm. like, you know, being away Mm -hmm. and taking time for myself. Mm -hmm. You know what I just thought? I just thought kind of like the voice of, am I going to push myself to fight for my time? That thought came up too, because if we're talking about it in the vein of this self-defeating, self-fulfilling default setting, while we trust our partners, then really what's holding you back is yourself. What's holding you back is, am I going to like remember that my time is important too, and that I'm going to fight for my time and, and keep that what unicorn space? What does she call mm-hmm. it? Unicorn space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like remember that my unicorn space is important too. It's almost harder to stand up for yourself to your partner than to just stand up to your partner because like you, like your voice in your head, mm-hmm. the guilt, the voice of guilt or the voice of you should do this, you shouldn't do that. It's so It can be so strong. Yeah. Each person doing like the internal work, mm-hmm. you know, is so important. In internal work, meaning like you are digging into like all your skeletons, mm-hmm. you know, and the other person is too. And it's like, what kind of triggers you? What has like, what makes you, when we say like, this is just like our personalities. I think mm-hmm. personalities are all made up of like things just like that, you know, from the past, right? Yeah. And I think um, if like each person is doing that, I feel like these conversations obviously I feel like they go a lot they're more productive I guess back to the trip thing this is what I wanted to say Mm -hmm. I know that feeling you're talking about because I have the same thing too I Mm -hmm. mean just earlier before I left Andrew he got that like pitch in his voice that he gets when he's about to ask me if he could do something (laughs) like with the guys Mm -hmm. It's, it's either like a a golf outing or you know like a trip so he was asking about this golf trip and so I felt that feeling arise a bit where I find myself not easily and just flippantly saying, yes, of course. Yeah. You know? Right. It's like my throat closes up. (laughs) (laughs) And so one time I said this to him, it was another instance where he asked me about a trip and I felt the same feeling. And as I told him, yes, I think you can go. I immediately said, I also really want to go on a trip for myself. Mm -hmm. I want you to go. I want you to enjoy this, but I really want to do this too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it felt a little better. I felt my my throat like open up a little bit. (laughs) 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 Gasping. So what I'm getting at is like back to this self-defeating thing Mm -hmm. where you're your biggest obstacle. I wonder if in that moment we're coming face to face with putting yourself first too and being trained your whole life, whether directly or indirectly, being given messages Mm. to just stay silent, to just stay back. It's kind of like, even though I trust my partner and even though I know Andrew loves me dearly and wants to support my happiness in every way, it's something this like choking, pressing feeling on my chest of um, unfulfilled desires that I am not letting myself voice mm-hmm. that I'm pushing down still. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment when I just verbalized it like that, it 
felt almost childish to me as if I was going to be scolded for this, Mm -hmm. but I just did it anyway. And um, it felt very freeing and it felt like, oh, it's there. And he said to me in reply, yeah, I want you to do that. Mm -hmm. And and it felt good. Like it felt more promising and hopeful than Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. wishing for it with those desires still like repressed in the recesses of my mind. Mm -hmm. You know, I told Andrew one time that I wanted him to remind me Mm -hmm. or basically like make me take some me time. Mm -hmm. And as I was saying that to him, I realized how ridiculous Mm. this sounded Mm. and what kind of a ridiculous request is this? It it made it evident in that moment. Like this is my job. Right. It's on me to claim my time and ask for things that I need. Yeah. I see what you're saying where you want the other person to kind of like remind you to show that they care about you, that, you know, your voice matters. So this, this kind of goes into a reason why I, I guess I felt a little self-conscious talking about this topic too, Mm -hmm. because I've heard this before, like with the way that Stan's schedule is, he is very busy Mm -hmm. and I do end up taking on a lot of like the household things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've heard before just people say like, basically like you need to stand up for yourself. Like you need a voice that like you need your time, mm-hmm. you know? And then it, it makes me feel as if I'm like a really passive person that mm-hmm. is like being run over by mm-hmm. Stan. That I, I'm like a, I'm like a tr- very traditional wife. Like that get what's yours. That doesn't feel any better to me. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it yeah. feels so like, first of all, like I'm not some like passive little bitch, you know, just, <laughs> just like yeah. at his beck and call. But also like, I don't want to have that resentment have me talk to him in that way, you know, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, you're not going to get it. I just need to speak my mind mm-hmm. and you're just going to listen. Mm-hmm. I don't want that either because I don't think that the, I don't think that the reverse of patriarchy is just matriarchy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think mm-hmm. that to undo all this, this broken system is mm-hmm. just for us to like be angry and just yeah. to show it and to get what's ours. Mm-hmm. I truly don't believe that's mm-hmm. what's going to work. I wonder if that feeling that we feel that bubbling, silent frustration. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that could be, we're like frustrated with our own guilt. So in that moment, you're like blaming the other person for the guilt and the bad feelings that you're feeling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think that has something to do with it. It reminds me of that Brene Brown, her book, Atlas of the Heart, Mm -hmm. where she names um, all these Emotions, I guess. I mm-hmm. forget what it was. I like, yeah. And she talks about um, resentment is like when it seems like it's geared towards someone else, mm-hmm. but it's really um, when you feel like yes. you're not able to voice what you need. Yeah. I remember that right? too. She said resentment is the feeling of frustration, judgment, anger, better than, and or hidden envy related to perceived unfairness or injustice. This is the part. It's, it's an emotion that we often experience when we fail to set boundaries or ask for what we need. And this totally underscores the importance of boundaries mm-hmm. and this characteristic of boundaries that I didn't understand for years, which is like it's the same thing, resentment and boundaries. It's not about the other person. It's about you. Mm-hmm. Like resentment, we think about as aimed towards another person. So that person must mm-hmm. be doing something wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like it's saying, it's about you right. needing to voice yeah. what you need yeah. and your frustration about right. your needs not being met because you're not voicing them. Right. right. And so boundaries also, it doesn't depend on the other person at all. For me to have strong boundaries, it's not about you accepting them or mm. respecting oh, them. Yeah. It's about me keeping them. Holding it. Yeah. And holding it. Mm. Me holding the line. That's mm-hmm. it. 
no matter what the other person, how the other person reacts. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And again, I feel like, um, you know, when you're holding the boundaries or when you're stating what you need, it also doesn't feel good when it comes up out of anger, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's, yeah. So that goes back to what you were saying of you don't want to be like in front of your husband, like, well, I'm going to go on this trip because you went on your trip and this is what I deserve Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. I work so hard. You know, it's coming out of anger instead of you voicing your need to somebody who loves you and wants to meet your needs. Yeah. There's something more to this. It's not just about playing this game. It's not Mm -hmm. just about these tasks. You Mm -hmm. know, there's something more, there's something deeper to this Mm -hmm. that is making you feel this way, you Mm -hmm. know? You need to stand up for yourself. That phrase feels very combative. Mm -hmm. It also feels like one-sided in terms of each person is just trying to exploit from the other. Yes. Rather than willingly give what the other needs. Yeah. I can see that being the case where like you would need to stand up for yourself or have that kind of vibe if it's not within a trusted relationship, Mm -hmm. not within the context of a marriage and a relationship where you do you have trust? Mm-hmm. Or where and you, you want that trust to be the main focal point and to grow. Right. Right. Where you love each other and you're right. trying to work so on So basically, it's love. just like really bad advice. I feel like <laughs> it's just like really bad advice for a marriage situation, <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm yeah. like, what is your marriage centered on? If like that's like, you know, yeah. So we did it. I finally pulled that yeah. nugget out. It was taking so long. <laughs> it truly was so hard to get out. I feel like a baby's been born. A brain baby. Oh, God. That was... Why was it so... Cheers. Cheers. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It never... It gets old, but it also never gets old. (laughs) Good night. Good night. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. 